Episode 7 of the podcast is with performance coach Wayne Richardson. Wayne talks about how working as a fitness instructor led to him working with Manchester City. Wayne is a master in building his network and gives some top advice for coaches on how he goes about it. Please subscribe and share the podcast and head over to iTunes to leave a review. Enjoy the episode with Wayne. Welcome to episode seven of the Football Fitness Federation podcast. I hope you're enjoying the episodes that are going out so far. Um, today we're joined by a Manchester-based coach, Wayne Richardson. He's came in into um, the building that I am, so it's our very first live podcast. So thanks for joining us, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Thank so you. we're going to speak to Wayne about a number of different things. His approach, um, he's got... He's a vastly experienced coach, so he's got loads of really interesting stuff to speak to us about. But the approach he takes at the moment with his business is, I think it's fair to say, different to other coaches. Yeah, sure. So we'll we'll get into that in a second. But first of all, so you know everything about Wayne. Wayne, talk to us about your background. Take us back. Take us back a few years. Way back, way back, way back. <laughs> you know. Uh, so yes, I um, I started off at uh, Man City. Um, I used to used the facility at Man City and um, where I lived in Moss Side um, it was probably the only major place that I used to go to in terms of doing training there was a lot of facilities there at the time but I used to go to um, Platt Lane and Platt Lane used to house um, City's uh, first team in the academy at that time I started training there playing football um, but at the same time used to look at where I wanted to be in terms of like fitness training I was I was never a I was always a semi-professional player, but I was never a, a good footballer as such as well. So, um, but I always wanted to be involved in some in some form of capacity in football. So I um, went to um, Man City, and at the time, Platt Lane started to evolve. Um, they started to build uh, a new facility there, which housed the gym. And the jobs came up in terms of working um, at Platt Lane at City in and being a fitness instructor. So. Um, and part of that was to work with the academy in the first team. So there was a there was a gentleman there, a guy called Alex Gibson, who used to be at Wigan. Um, there's a few young coaches there. There was a guy there called uh, Jim Cassell, who was the academy academy director. And I remember working out in the gym. But what used to happen in in the gym? A lot of the players used to come in and didn't have any structure or any issue. You know, they didn't have any structure. They didn't have any. Um, programs or anything as such a lot of the time it was done from the physio the physio and the coach so I used to go there and spend a bit of time there and at the same time I used to uh, do some work at some uh, couple of semi-pro teams as well uh, Jordan and Staley Bridge and there was no kind of sports science or anything there at all um, and so literally what you could do is you, it was a blank canvas you could do whatever you wanted at that time my partner um, was very involved in athletics, so there was no kind of, in these clubs when I was watching some of the sessions from, from afar, especially the first team ones, there was no preactivation, there was no prep work, there was nothing at all. And my partner was doing a lot of this in her athletic sessions as well, which I thought I could, what I could do is I could introduce to. Um, and I ended up moving from, from that and then coming into the city centre and working um, at a gym just doing personal training 
And then what happened was um, one of the receptions at the time when I walked in, and this is just a low, you know, like a hotel gym. When I came in, I always remember this uh, receptionist saying to me, Wayne, there's a, there's a job here ideally for you. You know, and I thought she's a bit of a prankster. And I said, look, <laughs> stop messing around. Do you know what I mean? I, I know what you're on and everything. She went, no, no, it's working in the Premier League. I said, working in the Premier League or working with the Premier League clubs? She went, no, working with Premier League clubs. And what you used to do was, there was a guy who was Huddersfield-based and he had an opportunity. He said he had about six or seven clubs that he was working with and he was looking for fitness instructors or coaches, fitness coaches, to go in and work with these clubs, either on an individual basis or with, with, with the teams. So I went in and had a, an interview. The interview took place, it was like a couple of weeks later. And when I went in, um, my first job, um, they, they used to look after Nottingham Forest, Leeds... York, Doncaster, Man City and Huddersfield and I used to have to travel around to a lot of these clubs um, but I spent most of my time at City because I knew most of the, um, the the coaches and the players City then consequently then moved from, from there to Carrington and I always remember the um, the physio at the time saying to me Wayne um, the gaffer wants you and I walked in and it was all the coaches and I remember him saying to me, um, listen, um, you've got a great relationship with the lads. The lads like you. And I think sometimes, Ben, it comes down to personalities, Pion, um, they like you. Could you then put something together for them as well on um, pre and post? You know, some of the stuff that you've been doing with your partner and everything. So we've done like pre-activation, we've done the, the drills, we came outside, so we're doing all the pre-activation stuff in the other, it was just a, it was just a massive, it was nothing like it was back then now. It was a massive, just a, a hall. Mm. So I got like a load of yoga mats and things like that as well. They didn't have the time, the foam, foam rollers were, they weren't the thing at the time. So what I used to do was, you said to them, right, give them some advice, maybe get to a point of speaking to the physios, having um, hockey balls or lacrosse balls, yeah. you know, any of the knots and things like that that got out. So it was all that kind of like preactivation. And then from there, getting them onto the pitch, then doing looking on like hip mobility, you know, drills, anything like that as well. And then, then, then just going from that and then going straight into it. So we, what we were doing is we were preparing them for very much for high-intensity work. And they liked it. They, you know, it was getting well, I was getting the name. I'd then seen myself on Sky Sports News and watching, watching it all. And then when the Premier League then came forward, they said to me, wait, um, they, I got a phone call and I got going and I thought there was something wrong. And they said to me, no, unfortunately, the Premier League have initiated that everyone must have either a sports science degree or have a master's or some form of, you know, because what we find out is that a lot of the players are getting injured, mm. you know, from ex-players who are going in who don't know what they're doing and all that yeah. kind of stuff as well. So you, you would have to have a sports science degree or uh, a master's. And at that time, I only had a diploma. I was only at Salford, Salford College. I had a diploma in fitness instructing. So I had to, with all the experience that I had, I had to then go back to college, university, Restudy, so I had the experience, but at the same time I did just didn't have the piece of paper, and it just became to a point where it just became very very difficult to then get myself back into football clubs because it's like all the jobs were already taken. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? And that became a bit of a difficult thing for me. So, you know, in a nutshell, I've had a lot of experience, but then when I then wanted to get back into football, it then became a difficult thing because I found it quite hard. You know, so yeah. So you getting into football and working with those players was pretty organic, then, wasn't it? Because you've 
you didn't go in with the intention of, of working with them from day one, did you? you? No. You just were doing, you were doing a, a filling a role that they want, that yeah. they needed. They yeah. saw that you had value to... Yeah, of course, there was no, there was no, there was no structure in there at all. There was no, um, I went in there with the basis that, you know, um, there was a gap and there was something that I could possibly do, especially where the academy players were concerned because back then, you're talking a coach, um, a couple of coaches, maybe the chief scout and a physiotherapist. Yeah. And a physiotherapist used to do everything. There was no sports science. Sports science has evolved quite a lot now, obviously now, because we're inundated, we're oversaturated with strength conditioning culture and sports science. But back then, you, you could basically have this blank canvas and do everything that you want. So the players, if they were injured, so if they're coming back from like, say for instance, ACL injuries or ruptures or something, or they were basically, they had the programs and were just like, right, we'll just oversee it probably they'll use the bike, they'll, you know, they get a bit of treatment and that was it. Nothing in between. Nothing in between. Yeah. You know, and and I was thinking, well, surely there must have, there must be a way. I'm not here sitting here thinking, right, I'm gonna reinvent the wheel and I'm gonna bring out something completely you know. I looked at that and thought, well, maybe if we look at working with them in, in terms of a rehab programme, I could be bridging that gap between the staff or the physio. And then that's when they brought out things like sports rehab. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, all the different titles. All the different titles. The all the, all the different. <laughs> so then you had all these people. When so when the Premier League, you know, um, said right, all these things and had to come into place, and all these um, different people who with the the right specialism had to come on board. You find out that when I then end up going for a job, even though I had the experience, I didn't have the qualifications to back it up. Yeah, you know, and that's where. Um, I decided to kind of like just cold call, speak to people, go and watch. And you could do that back then, man. You could do whatever you wanted because clubs were like, great, yeah, you're coming to watch our club. Brilliant, fantastic. Now you you ask for that now. You can't even, you know, there's, there's barriers and there's so much security stuff. You can't even get through the, you can't even get through the gate because you have to have an appointment. So on that, because I know you, we've spoke loads of times about everything you've got going on and the, what your approach you take I think it's it'll be great for especially young coaches students that are either at university or maybe even younger that aspire mm. to work in football or yeah. work with footballers what would your advice be to them coming through that sort of um, progression at the moment well I mean I mean for me the, the most important thing is I think after listening to last your last uh, podcast with uh, Simon he mentions obviously the situation obviously a lot of university staff predominantly work with their peers yeah and when they come out of that university bubble they don't really have the experience and the capability to then work with other people and I always say well listen there's a lot of young football clubs around there's a lot of grassroots football clubs which are really good I mean we, we've just had a, an approach from a, a, a massive grassroots club about in, um, putting a programme together for athletic development yeah and all these things are all good but have you got the initiative and the capability to then go out there and ask Rather than looking for that, fantastic, you know, I'm working at a Real Madrid or Man United, you know. So for me personally, the most important thing is never be afraid to to ask. Always get to a point where you're going to network, network with as many people as you possibly can. If you have to, then you can write to clubs or send emails and stuff as well, and then ask them to either come in on a voluntary basis. And I think for even voluntary stuff, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen no more. And that is, I think for me, is always important if you can get as much experience as you can by just going and speaking to people because it's just sometimes it's even a relationship where you can even talk to people as well. Yeah, I think it's, it's one thing you do 
really well, isn't it? And I don't know whether you realise or not yourself, but a lot of people I speak to, they, they, they all know who you are. Yeah. Like, not just in Manchester, but who are involved in football. Mm-hmm. So you obviously, you obviously um, do a lot of networking, whether it just comes natural or whether it's just speaking to people, building contacts. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that it's really important for young coaches to hear because yeah. it you, you never know where that's going to take you down the line. I think even like what you were saying, um, I've been to a couple of... Yeah, and the seminars and things like for Federation Football Fit Hub and for me even even though I've had the experience it's great to even network with people like that and being in that because I think that is something that is absolutely missed you know you're probably even to a point where you're looking at things like UKCA you'll go there you'll network with so many people but they've all got the same aim to go on the courses and stuff as well but having something like this which is on a regular basis where you can network with as many people and I think sometimes then it's a fine art you know it's difficult some people don't talk they can't take rejection and I remember going for an interview once and you know embarrass you know you will you will embarrass yourself you know you go to places and you'll embarrass yourself you're thinking there's a job there but knowing that that this job is going to be taken by someone in house and I've gone and said look I've heard that there's a job there and I'm dropping my CV on off and I've dropped my CV off about four or five times even to a point where this come out and said listen that job is taken don't come here again and ten years later being brought into that same place and being interviewed by the top person and asking me Wayne we need help we're structuring the gym we're looking at athletic development and I'm thinking to myself wow I got turned down by this about ten years ago yeah. and now you're asking me for help do you know what I mean? Not, you know, to a point, and, and, but you've got to learn from it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, you've got to take risks, you know, professionally, but at the same time, just never be afraid to ask. Never be afraid to ask because you'll, you know, at some point you will get a break. Yeah. And so what you were saying about when you first got involved in football, that there wasn't a role there for you, but you ended up working at, at Man City, who've, who've at the time weren't at the level they're at now but it's safe to say that they still they were a top team in the area mm. but how how do you see that sports science strength conditioning physical preparation whatever you want to call it mm. has developed and evolved I think massive I think nowadays back then there was nothing there was you know it was kind of like make up as it goes along I think now having a structure within football is good especially for like young players coming through I mean, you'd embrace it, you know, because people always say about this buying, you've got to buy into um, the methods, you know, people have always got their methods and their reasons and stuff as well. And it's difficult, especially, you can kind of see it now for, from the young sports scientists. So the young sports scientist comes out of university, they get themselves, he or she gets themselves in a the top job or goes into like, say for instance, a Man City or Man United. Then they've never been having, they've never had that kind of like relationship where they've actually dealt with people face to face. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when they're, I've seen it before, Ben, where I've kind of stepped back and had a look at like how they initiate the session and then they find out that there's no control, they're messing around. You always get six or seven players that will always joke around or do something. But that was then, I mean, I remember I remember when when I was at Carrington at City, then bringing in um, an aerobics instructor to do a session. And some of the players 
just ended up doing breakdancing. Welcome <laughs> 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 to professional football. <laughs> and, you know, t- you know, taking the bits out and things like that yeah. and showing and doing moonies and things like that, right? And I, I was like, oh my gosh, and to this woman. And, back, you know, like now, obviously there would have been hundred and quarter then because of like everything that's gone on with the GDPR and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> but back then there was no structure. Now there's a massive structure in terms of like sports science where you've then got you got you can you got your physical preparation coach, you've got your recovery specialist, you've got your strength and conditioning coaches, you've got someone who does warm downs, you've got you've got I think you've got a role for everything. Yeah. And sometimes you can be you find out that there's there's too much staff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you think to yourself, I've actually gone in there. Am I actually learning anything? Mm. You know what I mean? You know, if it's a good club or it's a kind of medium club where you're getting a lot of attention or you can do something or you can speak to the right people, that's fine. But if it's like a Man City or Man United where you're like, kind of like shit's passing in the night, well, what are you actually going to learn? Mm-hmm. What's going what's gonna to go on for you as a, a young sports scientist, strength conditioning coach coming through? Are you actually going to get that experience there? Or is it better you then look at either networking or going to a club where you've got a bit of an autonomy, you can go out there, you can initiate certain things and maybe have a bit more experience you know, so we were just speaking before we started recording about the difference in scenarios that we've had yeah. where you're coaching in an, an empty, well, you're lucky if you get a sports hall sometimes, aren't yeah. you? You might be in a um, in, in a shed, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> or the other side of that is yeah. that you're in a fancy state of the art yeah. gym, yeah. and then the difference is, and you've got to have, you've got to go through those experiences, haven't you? You've got to experience mm. a little bit of both. Yeah, I think I moved to. When I first when I first started uh, Richardson Sport, I moved to uh, Sports City, and I was there for seven years. And I was with a, a manager, who basically, um, I walk in one day into the gym, and it was like thirty school kids, but I've got sessions to do, so there was no kind of communication there whatsoever. And I remember a week later, after you know, after you know, when they realised that because you had like. English Institute of Sport there, you had all the top national governing bodies and everything, everyone used to use the facilities, so one day you'd be, you'd be training next to Chris Hoy, or you've got the G, you know, GB Taekwondo, or you've got some like um, GB Hockey or Netball, and I'd come in one day, and over the weekend, they had moved everything out, and I'm walking into an empty gym, and bringing clients in there, and parents who were basically, who, who were parents, the kids were at City or United, I'm walking in there, and they're going, what's happened to the gym? Mm. I've gone, I don't know. And what do you mean you don't know? And I've gone, well, I'm going to speak to the manager about it. And, oh, yeah, but we've decided to move the equipment to somewhere else and you're working in, a, in an empty facility. So what initiative are you going to use? If you're then brought into a situation like that, what are you going to do? Are you going to think off the top of your head? Or, you know, just, I'm just crumble and think, well, you know what? I haven't got really any equipment. Are you going to improvise? Are you going to speak to the parents? Are you, what, what are you going to do next? And these are the challenges that um, not a lot of young coaches will have because they will always feel that what they're going to do is they're going to go into a facility, a ready-made facility already, and it's going to be like state-of-the-art. So we've had uh, a sports scientist who came in, really good sports scientist, top of his game, young, coming through, up and coming. And I said to him, listen, today we are not um, going to be in the gym. We're going to be talking to parents networking with parents yeah. we're going to go out in the car we're going to go to a couple of games we're going to speak to them we're going to see how these players perform so we've done work with them so let's see how they perform I'm not doing that pardon I'm a scientist so I said okay so you don't want to see who you work with you don't want to see what you you know what 
what's going to, you know, I went, that's interesting. And it kind of threw me a bit. And I tried to explain to him and tell him, but he was, he was a white coat man. Mm. He didn't want to talk to pet. He didn't want to talk to anybody. And I said, well, how are you going to kind of communicate? If someone's going to come to you, you're going to see yourself as a top sports scientist coming out of a top university in Manchester. How are you going to kind of deal with either parents or teams? Because soon initially, you're going, to, you're going to move on. Yeah. You might go to the States where they've got a great collegiate system. You might go and get a top job here, whatever, you know, whatever session, uh, team it is. And he couldn't tell me. And I just said, I think that's something that you need to think about. Because having that relationship, remember, people have always got to buy into your methods. And remember, you are the product. Yeah. And you've got to sell yourself in that, that best way. And I think, like going back before, Ben, I just don't think that a lot of universities gear them. Maybe it might change. They don't gear them for what's actually happening now when they actually come out of university. That's the key word, and it came up over and over again with all the, all the top coaches we've spoke to so far. And anyone that doesn't know um, the sort of uh, the players that Wayne works with, we won't mention names, but they're at the very top level, the, the Premier League players yeah, sure. um, and playing in the top leagues. And to work with those players, the relationship is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Yeah, because yeah. if you get a player from a Premier League club coming in to see you mm. and they don't buy into what you do, yeah. you could have whatever programme set out from to do. <laughs> yeah. And if they don't want to do it or they don't buy into you personally, like yeah. you're saying, it's going to be completely useless, isn't it? Yeah. You could be in the best gym and obviously your company's now based in, in a top facility, isn't it? But it's regardless of that yeah. if that pro, if that relationship isn't in, in place the programme is uh, yeah. it's not going to be effective we um, one of, when, when we first started I always remember um, I had a relationship with um, I've got a relationship with a, a, a hairdresser and this hairdresser has endless Premier League uh, championship even right down to pre, uh, Converse Premier Converse North players coming through I remember one night getting a phone call off him saying to me listen um, We've been summoned to go to this guy's house. Um, can you get there within the hour? So we lived in Presbury, and obviously I relate who, who the player was. And when I've got to his house, there was six or seven TV cameras, along with a few paparazzi guys. So at the time, at the side of my car, I had Richardson Sport, Trem Conditioning, and the name of the company at the side of my car. And one of the guys, he had a Sky Sports camera, um, the mic, the microphone, and I've gone in and they've taken pictures of the gates have opened and I've gone in. And when I've got there, someone, the skills answered the door, massive house, got there. And there was a guy, long table, sitting there, uh, they're all eating food. And I said, that guy, I know his face. And it was uh, Mino Raiola, the agent. And I said to him, um, he said to him, can you, you know, we heard good things about you. And I'm thinking, gosh, this guy, right? He's probably about a billion pounds worth of transfer has gone through this guy's thing. And I'm sat there with this guy right in front of me. And I'm thinking in my head, who is, who is the player? Mm. So three of these players lived in the house. Two of them from, from Inter Milan both had injuries. So one was coming out from college injury, one was coming out from a, a ruptured Achilles. And the other one was Mario Balotelli. And he is seen as the ultimate prankster. Mm. So to answer your question, whatever we initiated for this guy, right, <laughs> he's, he's just a joker. You've turned the programme up and started again. <laughs> <laughs> he was just an absolute joker. So the guy said to me, um, Ryle said to me, listen, Wayne, we want you to look after him. He's going to be going to AC Milan 
Um, there's been an incident which has been highly documented at City. Um, and obviously I had to sign the disclaimer and everything and go through it all. So whatever we did in the house, we are, you know, by law. And um, I had Sky Sports News probably chasing me for about, I would say about five or six weeks for this story. He then, during the January transfer window, made that move to AC Milan. But what we did in there when I got him in there, I said to him, first of all, have you been given a programme from the club? Yeah. Because one thing that we don't want to do, Ben, as you mentioned, I don't want to fight against the club because you will lose. So anything that I can then do, this is the difficulty you have, anything that I can do that they want to work on, that's extra, then we go for it. And I said, I always start with, have you been given a programme from the club? What have you been doing? And how often do you speak to the sports scientists and traffic condition coaches? I don't. So I said, right, okay. So what have you been doing in the gym? I don't really do gym work. Right. So um, what would you like to work on? He goes, ah, his hands, put his hands up. So now you're on a road to nowhere, <laughs> right? You are absolutely just snookered. With, everywhere, with whatever you try to achieve, or whatever you've put in place, or whatever programme you've done, these guys will find it like every simple, simple way to try and get out of something. They don't want to do it. They just want to play football. That's all they want to do. And I said to him, most important thing is, is about your preparation. Your preparation's got to be key, right? You've got to sort, sort out what is important. You've got to get to have a relationship with these guys. These guys are not just there, just as, you know, just as people that, you know, they're there to help. And you're trying to get to a point where you're trying to get them to understand that, the club that, if you don't know, go and ask. Yeah. Find out, you know. So we spent, all we've done, Ben, we'll spend more time educating him about who to approach. There was no people skills from him. He was just this guy. He was on a load of money, played football. He's seen as a superstar, but didn't have a relationship with all the, the staff at the club. I know you, you mentioned a lot of time when we've spoke that you play like a mentor role with, sure. with players as well. And yeah. I think that's where that comes in, isn't yeah. it? You, you, you find out that now, as a sports scientist or SNC coach, everything is completely different now because you're, you are a practitioner. You're dealing with a holistic approach. You know, you're dealing with mental health, you're dealing with uh, problems, relationship problems, you're dealing with, even when they get dropped from the, from the clubs, they, they will spend more of their time talking to you, you know? And I think sometimes it comes down to that trust element. It then becomes easy then, because then when you then start to identify what the issues and the problems are, the programme then becomes like a second thought, because then you can then just do it and just say, listen, we've got an aim, we've got an objective, we've got to reach these objectives. Have you then started setting yourself any kind of goals beginning, during and after the season as well. You find out that more players now are now going to the States and go to places now. It's more fashionable now you see it on like the likes of Instagram and that, that they will show, they will become Instagram famous because what they're doing is they're saying, look, I'm working with a guy in, in Miami, I'm training, hard work pays off and you'll see that probably endless times as well. But for me, I think now where things like this are concerned, it's highlighting a bigger thing. And the bigger thing is that there's a, there's a need for it and when you're then working with these players on a one-to-one you will find out a lot more about these players because there's a trust element and you'll have a great relationship with them I think that's why uh, the work you do is so effective with players as well because you like you touched on there you see where your work will fit in don't you you yeah. don't go in with the with a programme written out before you even meet the player 
and go, right, we're going to work on X, Y, and Z, and then you just implement it. You go in, you meet them. Yeah. You, like you said, you speak to the club, you speak to the player, you yeah. see what they want to work on, what they're willing to work yeah. on, their attitude towards training, and then see what you can add yeah. when, to what they're currently doing. Yeah, when we, when, because I can say this, because obviously, you know, and, you know, when we worked with Sado Berahino, Sado is, um, he, his agent approached us but then the club, Stoke, were really good. Very hospitable. They were fantastic. Got to the training facility. Met with the director of football. Went and spoke to the groundsman. I didn't just go there, you know. Went and spoke to the groundsman and said, what pitch can I use? You know, it was during the course when they were taking the pitches up. Went into the gym. The sports scientists were fantastic. Two of them were doing the UKCA, so I was able to sit down there with them when he was late on the occasion and, and talk to them about UKCA and everything like that. They were brilliant. You know, very hospitable. Some places that you'll, you'll go to, you might not get that. Mm. You, might, you might hit a brick wall. And it's a case of, you know, we've got a player from, from, a, from a club and we've had endless issues with that player and their, their, their sports scientist, but he's been approved from... But it's been approved from the head of football and the head of uh, education. But they're saying, well, why is he going to him? Mm. You know, and you've got that endless issue. And I said, well, look, there's no issue with me. You're more than welcome to come in have a look at what, what, what this player is doing. If you've got a programme, you know, I'll work under your offices. I'm not here to, you know, we're both working towards the same thing. I'm sorry that obviously this has happened. So you're trying to be diplomatic. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Even but sometimes when you feel turbulence, you're trying to be diplomatic at the same time, Ben. But at the same time, you know that there's always a thing in their back of their head where they probably spend endless months and nights and days and working with this particular player and then he's gone off and then worked with someone else which is a bit of pill to swallow and, I, and sometimes I felt like that but I try not to I try to understand how that other person's thinking as well yeah. and then say listen this is me I'll send him an email polite email can I come in and see you not a problem at all if you've got a programme that you want me to follow or there's any issues please just let me know and that has been probably the icebreaker and they've come in and gone Wayne thank you for that much appreciated and it's kind of a bit of a respect thing more than anything else and do, you, do you think that comes down to so if they're going out seeking coaching from someone else do you think that might be that they're not necessarily they've not got that relationship with the coach at the club or do you think they need um, like an extra focus that that player wants that because obviously we're in a team sport aren't we so yeah, we've sure. got an, a squad an SNC coach in a, in a Premier League club has got a squad to deal with essentially and there might even be a few SNC coaches but they've still got quite a lot of players to deal with yeah. whereas the way you work it's on an individual or a, I'm guessing like a small group yeah, basis small so group they get group. more of a personal approach don't yeah. they do you I think that's why they, they seek out that extra work I think, it's an, I think sometimes it comes down to an element of time and it's time that they don't have and I think Unfortunately, as you know, when you've worked in like um, championship football, you will know that sometimes you'll set out a programme for those particular players and then the manager, depending on what the structure is, what they've got to go, get through in terms of like set pieces, shape, um, you'll have it probably, you might say, right, I've got about an hour and a half, two hours with these players. No, you've only got half an hour. Half yeah. an hour to warm the players up and they've got to be outside. Yeah. because we. And then from that, we've then got to leave and then go... Um, to London because we've got to travel down as well so everything that you've put across and everything that you've then done it then becomes more frustration because then you're then governed by obviously the man at the top who's obviously the gaffer but I think when they then come to a point where you've got players who want to try and outsource work from someone like myself I think it then comes down to an element of time 
time that they don't have because they've got a structure they've got a structure at the clubs and this structure you know this is what we have to work to if you have to do do any extra work then maybe either stay behind or then you go somewhere else where you can then do that and is that feedback you've had obviously you don't have to name anyone in particular but is that feedback you've had from players as well is that the reason have you asked them a spokesman the reason that they're coming out to you I think I think, I think a lot of it is based on reputation now as well yeah, isn't it yeah. looking at the players you've worked yeah, with yeah I think so but at the same time you know what I've done is I've made it my business to then go and speak to the clubs about it and the club said most of the things that the clubs the, the response back from sports science or the head of kind of like sports science and medicine is we haven't got time to do this we haven't got time to then work on a one to one but because of obviously there's been a highlight recently with a particular player out of a Premier League club who's gone out and then done something he's then become injured then the manager's seen that and unfortunately anyone that has been working with play, uh, people on a one-to-one like people like ourselves that have been working on a one-to-one the club is now wanting to know are you now doing something outside because you're talking about guys who are on you know that are worth millions yeah and they're enlisted they're, that, that trust element you know what I mean that you are the expert in that field they're coming to you with a problem with an issue the issue might not even be either strength based it might not even be speed based it could be just something that they want to talk to that it, it's away from the club it's impartial advice mm. but if I find out or what I've done in the past I've, I've worked with players in the past then and I found out that there's been bigger issues then it has to be highlighted I have to then go back because I have a duty of care do you know what I mean so I don't want to try and get to a point where it's like me versus them that's not what I'm trying to pull off here what I'm trying to say is most of the time we've dealt with players in the past and they will confide in you about a lot of things because then you are some someone separate to the club mm. and I think and we've mentioned this again on a few episodes that um, coaches forget we're dealing with humans yeah. we're dealing with human beings who have feelings have emotions and all the rest of it and yeah. because you're working in that one to one or one to two or whatever it is environment yeah. it's a lot easier for you to take that into consideration isn't it than rather yeah. than having a group a, a group of 16 mm. 20 players at a time when you've got a try and we, 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 we the funny thing is we there was a player that I was working with from my experience there was a player that I was working with and he, he, he was playing at a local club with an opportunity to go to the Premier League and he was I think it was about 23 24 and he came in and seen me and, and he said to me look Wayne I need help with bringing my weight down, my fitness, my general fitness, I've got to do some preparation work before then I go in for pre-season. So he was going in on a trial and I said to him, right, okay, and we've done all the planning and we went through it all as well. We looked at his, um, like doing a bit of pre-season work and then going into pre-season work in, well, in preparation for pre-season. And I remember one of the sessions, when I because when I was at City, partly I used to get a lot of semi-pro players that used to come in as well. So I used to do work in the morning with City and then in the afternoon, then you could basically do what you want in the afternoon. So a lot of people were seeing that I was working with individuals and then passers on. And he came in one day and he said to me, look, Wayne, I've got a situation where I've just found out that my uh, partner is pregnant. And I went, oh, congratulations, you know, I was really made up for him. But we've had an argument and I don't know if the kid's mine. <laughs> right. So I've gone, okay, 
Michael. I'll match up description. So I'm thinking to myself, hey, look, you know what I mean? I'm off. I've been married to the cattle. What the hell? What, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, right. And this guy at that time, Ben, just wanted someone to talk to. Yeah. And I sat down with him for nearly three hours, smoking to him. I said, look, this is simple. You know, you live with her, you got to go through the normal things. Because at the time I was going through that stuff with my, with my ex-wife. I said, whether where your son or your daughter's, you know, going to be born, take a paternity test. Just, you know, go through the, you know, and these are things that football, you know, they're like, are these things available? Yeah, they are. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, they are. Just take a bit, you know, go for the, you know, write things down. Let's write it down. Let's go through it. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm not a marriage guidance counsellor. I'm not a this, but, but these are the things. And then Ben, when, what happened was, I then, I got home after being, and I went out. I got home, went to bed. I was probably about, about 3, 3 a.m. And I got a text message. And he committed suicide. Oh, wow. And... I knew from that day on, right, I probably didn't sleep for about a week because I said I was probably the last person that this guy spoke to. And I sat down there and I thought to myself, you know what? There's a need for this. <laughs> There's a massive need for the mental health, the, um, the trying to look at performance on an individual basis. How many clubs do it? I don't know. I'm not sure. They've got loads of things in place and everything like that. And I find out that now that what I was doing, I was inundated with people coming to me, calling me one o'clock, two, three o'clock in the morning, saying to me, my son's locked himself in his bedroom. There's an issue. He's just been released by a club and he won't, he's not eaten for like a week. He's not, he, he's not going to school. He won't let, he's just locked his door. What do they do? And these are parents in distress. So he thinks to himself, you know, I've got a duty here. I want to help. All I've ever wanted to do is help. And... I've always wanted to be in football in some capacity. But when you get things like this, where you think, my main aim was I wanted to be a sports scientist, strength conditioning coach. And now what I'm finding out is now I'm inundated with so many different things, you know? All these things that pop up and you just think to yourself, wow, for them to come to you, no matter what level, for me is an honor. It's a massive honor. And I looked at it at a point where I wanted to try and get involved in football and I was just getting knocked back left, right and center from, from clubs. And now, I find out that clubs are contacting me to help their players as well. So, and I think that's just from genuine, like you've just said it there. You want to help people, yeah. And it, it, that's what it comes back to, isn't it? Yeah. The players see that, they feel that. Yeah. That you're putting them first, and your main aim is to do exactly that: is to help them. Yeah. And whether that is with developing speed, or whether it's sitting them down for three hours and speaking to them, like. Yeah. That's what you're what you're do, what you're doing. You're doing is they need that requirement. When you when you, when you, you, you touched on it before about players coming in individually and find out what they want, and some players come in and say, "Well, listen, we've, we've been told by the club that we we're not we're not quick over a certain period, or we um, my change of direction is is not good, or I need to get stronger." And I've said to him, "Okay, have you spoken to the club about this?" Yeah, the the sports scientists have given me a program. Okay, are they working with you on this program? No. And I said, why? But he said, because um, that sports scientist might be looking after 20, 25 players, you know, in their in their defence. And if they'd have to do that, it might be early morning or late. And by that time, that sports scientist, you know, he or she is ready to go home because they've just been inundated with things that have gone on. If you're at like a top-end club where you might have six or seven sports scientists, you might be able to implement a lot more. 
but we are now inundated with a lot of players now and it's great because obviously we've got like two young sports scientists that are coming through as well and another one from Salford who's a, a university hopefully going to be a university graduate and giving them the tools and the experience and say well, listen you know you need to find out a bit more about these players find out how they tick find out about you know um, what their needs are as well and then that way then how are you then going to get a player to perform if they've got so much things going on in their heads do you know what I mean and they will just come to you it might even just be one thing so I'm not seeing it as a saviour here Ben I'm not trying to say that I've reinvented the wheel or anything like that I've just seen a niche in the market and I said with a lot of young sports scientists find something good that you're good at sports science could be it's vast yeah. there's so many things going on in sports science as well some people have got sports science degrees and they end up working in McDonald's right because they've wasted three or four years of life because they cannot afford to go out there and network and say well you know what I'm going to stick out something I'm going to have a look at multiple things and maybe choose one and all I did was find a niche in the market I look at players who have either been released or need help during the course of the off season gone in and spoke to them free of charge networked as much as I possibly can and developed a niche in the market that could that could potentially help players that's all and what would your biggest advice be because this this area of like creating relationships and getting players on side I think when you've done it and you've got the experience I think it probably comes natural to you now doesn't it yeah. to go and do that and it just seems like common sense to go and speak to people and mm-hmm. it's very easy to, to speak with yourself like the, the times that I'm looking at the time <laughs> it's absolutely flying by because yeah. it's very easy to talk to you but yeah. some people it isn't yeah. and they struggle to actually sit down and I, I don't know whether it's going to sound like an old man where it's like modern day and yeah. and kids these days like being on the phones all the time and yeah. not actually, actually interacting and sitting down having a coffee with someone and mm. speaking to people what what advice would you give to like someone coming out or what do you give to your coaches that are at university to to speak to people and build those relationships I mean, you know if you like you mentioned Ben I think when you speak to people I think it's a fine art it's a dying breed it doesn't you know and not a lot of people have the the, the ability to then do that I just say, you know, look, you know, practice, just go to places. Even if one of the one of the key things that I did was be a fitness instructor. Just being a normal fitness instructor in a normal gym, right? And talk to people at different levels. Yeah. How are you doing? Even saying hello. <laughs> How are you doing? How's it going? Can I give you, you know, I like you, Wayne. You're always smiling. You're always got something to say that's encouraging. Listen, I need some help with me with me okay well let's sit down and talk about it you're not going to bring me in a gym no because why am I going to bring you in an environment when I don't know anything about you yeah <laughs> I'm not going to bring you in an environment let's start off with you let's start off with what you need how I can help what is the situation well I've been you know I've been told that I was you know, so you're dealing with people at all different levels go and work maybe go and work with kids Sundays you know you find out on a Sunday what I was doing was I was working going to places like uh, Saturday and Sunday league games at different levels whether that's maybe amateur men's or young girls games I've been to a lot of girls games recently and saying to the coaches listen you know is it a possible chance that I can then do some taster sessions you know bring some taster sessions in um, do you have anyone working with you no we don't oh yeah we've got a couple of sports scientists well, no problem just never be afraid you know what I mean fail big just if you, if you go there and just ask questions you know and Sometimes, you know what I mean, like I said to you before, it will come at some point, but you've got to work at it. You know what I mean? And hard work, Ben, works, you know what I mean? Working hard is what successful people do. And all I've ever tried to do is just work hard at something. I've never had anything given to me. I've never had anyone say, Wayne, you're going to be this particular person 
all I've ever tried to do is just work very, very hard at something and, and think to myself, you know what, this is where I want to be. I would always want a centre where players and athletes can come and they can look at different issues and have the capabilities and the people behind me to say, listen, I don't know myself, but I've got some sports scientists here, I've got someone who's done a PhD who needs to kind of investigate certain things or someone who, you know, and having that stuff around there. And that's all I've tried to do. And if any, anyone hasn't seen the work that Wayne does, obviously we'll put your social media links sure. in your website and everything in the in the notes. So you can go and check it out. You can check out the facility on that you actually work in on social yeah. media as well. And it is all top of the range. Yeah. But everything we've touched on in this, it all comes down to how you actually went about building what is now a, a, a business. Mm. Um and keeping in mind that the main thing is that you you wanting to help people and I think that's what coaches need to take from this is that yes you've got the very nice gym to work out of mm. yes you're working with, with Premier League players and top end players sure. but it all comes down to that relationship yeah. and that genuine um, want or need to help people doesn't yeah. it I mean when we moved like, we touched before about Sports City and when we moved out of Sports City they had they still had all the equipment in the, in, the, in the gym and there was a guy there who was just working out and he used to always ask me questions and me and him used to have this conversation all the time we used to have this conversation and just speak to him just about anything <laughs> not realising that this guy was like the, the main director for um, Manchester Sport Leisure Trust and he said to me listen we, we're building a facility at uh, GB Taekwondo and I'm going to speak to the director about you potentially going in there and doing some work in there as well and the, you know the, the, there's two guys there who uh, head of S&C there's a guy called Reese Ingram who's really really good top top guy and there was uh, at the time but he left Duncan French everyone knows Duncan French you know top guy you know um, he's always sit down with him you know at lunchtime at Sports City and he was giving me a bit of his time which was really good and having those people around and another guy who's just recently started come from Huddersfield a guy called James a young sports scientist coming through really really good and what I was able to do, even though I was involved in football, was to watch those people work with like top-end athletes. And when it then became apparent that the likes of like Slatan started doing like Taekwondo, and everyone then started get to a point where there was more footballers, young footballers coming to Taekwondo, we were seeing from the likes of Man City, Man United doing things during the course of the off-season. And I thought, I'm in a fantastic facility here. And when people come in for the first time, it's like wow, you know, I've worked so hard to try and just get to, the, to get to this point as well. You know, I've not had to. I didn't. You know, I was on my hands and knees, Ben. As I mentioned before, I, I didn't have. You know, I didn't have any money. I didn't get any investment or anything like that as well. It was just purely me and my 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 partner. And Emma had the 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 capabilities and the 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 intelligence to go out there. And say, listen, I think this is what we should do because she was very much like in that corporate world. And a lot of people spend a lot of time in the business, but not a lot of time on it. And I was very much like guilty of that. I had to do sessions, had to work with a Premier League player, you know, this is the business. But she said, Wayne, how are you building your business? Nothing's going on. You, your marketing is, is poor. This is poor. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, don't talk to me like that. I'm, I'm doing all right. You know what I mean? And you end up being like Bart Simpson. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, we end up like strangling each other. And I said, no, no, no. What I'm trying to say is, Wayne, you know, we need to look at the super customer. We need to look at like grassroots. Because all those grassroots people, 
want to aspire to, you know, you've worked with like people from like different clubs, and all they see is you working with top end people. But can you then translate that and work with the younger players coming through? What message are you going to give to them? The parents. I've got to drive an hour from from where I live to Liverpool or Wigan. What do I give my son to eat? Mm. You know what I mean? What do I do? And you know, and it's like you're then spending most of your time having a drop in now. So you've got the gym bit, then you've got a drop in bit where come in and your drop in list now is becoming a lot bigger because you then you're dealing with parents who have got issues and problems. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, look at this. And sometimes when I think about it, I've gone, you know, look at this. This is just amazing what you you can build up, but it takes time. Yeah. You know what I mean? For that young person coming through, it takes time. But are you prepared? And have you got the guts and the drive and the enthusiasm to go out there and do what is expected of you after when you've become either accredited or you've then got your qualifications? Yeah. And I think that's where it begins, isn't it? That's not where... That's not not where it ends when you get that accreditation. That's where it begins, and you have to open your mind to all the opportunities that are out there. And we're not saying to not work at clubs because it's valuable. We've both been at clubs, and it's been valuable um, experiences. But I think the way Wayne's talked about how things develop for him hopefully gives you an idea on how not just football works, but sport works, but life works as well. Like whatever job you're in, like you need to be open-minded and go and seek these opportunities. You're not going to fall on your lap. Yeah. you've got to do it willing to work you've mm. got to stay genuine with what you're trying to do mm. and even if you can um, look at other sports as well because other sports can open your mind up to a lot of things as well I mean I, 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 I worked for England lacrosse and I was there for six years and that was purely because I worked at City and they used to use their facilities at Platt Lane and when I worked there for six years I remember the year uh, there was a guy who was head up he was top scientist I won't mention his name top sports scientist went to a university and I remember this guy coming to watch me and he was watching a session we did a track session at uh, at Longford Park Stratford and he came back he shook my hand and we were chatting and laughing and joking he said oh you're doing some really good work here the lads that seem to have bought into what you're doing anyway the Tuesday was another track session and this was a preparation for 2006 World Games I've walked in and this guy turned around to me and said to me, um, I just wanted to let you know, we're taking over now. Didn't anyone tell you? Go on, see ya. <laughs> I, I stood there, right? I thought, me and you were talking. Me and you were all right. Mm. But he taught me a valuable lesson, though. Do you know what I mean? He taught me a valuable lesson. And even though I got a great response from the England setup, from the players, I just said, you know what? These things, it's not going to be my first and it's not going to be my last yeah. disappointment so how do you deal with the disappointments you will get disappointments in your life you'll, you'll get to a point you'll get knockbacks you'll get rejection letters that job is sometimes it's either created already there's already somebody there that they've highlighted or pinpointed for that job at that particular time but then what have you then got to go what do you then move on with yeah that's amazing um, we've taken up loads of your time I know you're really busy so I really appreciate you coming in Um, obviously Wayne's made the effort to not only come on the podcast but he's come and met me today so I really appreciate your time and the stuff you've gone through is that's exactly why I wanted to get you on because I know all that was was, um, extremely valuable to any coach not just in football but any coach um, out there so I really really appreciate you coming on no I I, I appreciate that thanks Ben thanks
Big thank you to Wayne for coming on the podcast. You can go and follow Wayne on Instagram at Richardson Sport and the same on Twitter with a capital R and a capital S. I think some of the biggest um, takeaways for me were how Wayne goes about building relationships with um, not just players but with coaches that then results in opportunities becoming available in whether it's future weeks, months, years. Like like I said at the the start of the episode, I I honestly believe that he's the master in this sort of thing. A lot of people that I speak to, um, especially within the area in the Northwest, they know Wayne, they know what he does. And that is literally because he puts himself out there and he builds relationships on a daily basis. Um, so I think it's it's valuable listening to what he's got to say on how he goes about it, and and it, and I think for young coaches or coaches looking to get into professional sport, it's absolutely essential. It's an essential skill for us to try and develop. Um, also, how he bridged the gap. So I called the episode "Bridging the Gap" because that is exactly what he did. That's how he got into it in the first place. Like we said, his his first role with Man City was built quite organically. He was working as a fitness instructor and players wanted or felt they they needed what he was doing and the work that he was doing. So that led to him developing his own opportunity with the club and then he's gone on from there um, to the point now where he is working in a in a facility but with pri- working privately with players. And also how he's seen strength conditioning or sports science or whatever you want to call it, physical preparation, how he's seen it develop over the years. So the jobs that have become available, we mentioned the, the numerous titles that people use, but back then it was it was fitness coach. It was a person who looked after fitness, fitness and how coaching now has become more integrated. We went to a... Um, a top seminar last week by uh, Simon Austin at Training Ground Guru and they were talking about cohesive coaching and how coaches or a group of coaches work together now and it's not that the fitness guy does the fitness and that's all they do it's how we can integrate together as a coaching team and and work together to to improve performance on the pitch it doesn't all need to be separate um, and you don't need to do your fitness work solely with the fitness coach. They can work together with the technical coaches, with the physios, with therapists, and all work together as a team um, to help the players. So it's great to hear his views on how he's seen that develop over the years. And, uh, and I think one of the big things as well was dealing with humans before they're actually athletes or players. It's one thing I think a lot of people forget, and it's a skill also that I just see that people learn uh, sort of forgetting about and not prioritising that these these players are human beings at the end of the day yeah they, they earn whatever money they earn but we are dealing with humans they do have emotions they do have feelings and if we can tie into that we can get the most out of performance so it was great to hear some of the stories that Wayne had with some of the players that he's worked with um, and he was really honest and open about some of the situations that he'd been through so I really do appreciate that Um Please go and check out uh, the Football Fitness Federation community. Um, in November, we added a webinar from Andy Wiseman, who's formerly of Celtic, now at Exeter. Andy did a webinar for us on recovery in football. 
So if you head over to footballfitfed.com and click the community tab, you'll be able to get a month free on the community. So you can go and check out some of the content on there. Um, we are putting webinars on each month from some top coaches. We've got some really good presentations coming up, uh, really in-depth presentations from coaches working at the very top. So go and check out that, that presentation from Andy. The community is, um, after the first month, it's £4.99 a month. But we feel like there's plenty of content on there for you to go and search through. And we're looking to get more and more discussions going. I mentioned in the last episode that we had a chat going with Paul Colbeck on contextual sprinting or contextual speed work. So go and check those out. I'm sure you'll take plenty from it. And thanks a lot again for listening to the show. We are building momentum with this now. Um, We've got loads of good guests coming up. Please subscribe and share the show. And also, um, I'm looking to build the reviews now on iTunes, so please go over to iTunes. If you've listened to a few episodes now, go over, leave a review, um, put down what you've taken from the show, maybe put down what your most popular guest was or the episode you enjoyed the most, and give us a little bit of honest feedback. If you guys do have any other feedback in terms of who you want to see um, appear on the show, drop us an email, mail at footballfitfed.com. And also go and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, Instagram at footballfitfed.com, uh, at footballfitfed even. So we will be back next week with a new episode. And thanks again for listening.